welcome to the Strong Men Podcast. So many of us men have got it wrong. In our attempts to be strong, we end up fragile, fake and weak. Our current understanding of what it means to be a strong man is warped. This misunderstanding almost led to my suicide and it continues to contribute towards the high suicide rate seen in men. That's why the Strong Men Podcast is on a mission. A mission to redefine the strong man to help men grasp true strength and work towards it. Not just to keep them on the planet a little longer, but to help them thrive. Hello everyone and welcome to the Strong Men podcast. This all feels really weird, I'm not going to lie. I have never done anything like this before. I've just set up the microphone and all the equipment that's needed for podcasting and I'm very much out of my comfort zone at the moment which is good it is good to be out of that comfort zone because good things tend to happen when you get out of that comfort zone now do bear with me whilst i uh, produce these episodes because as i say this is all very new to me there might be a few you know uh, technical issues hopefully we'll keep them to a minimum but i do anticipate there being a few issues as uh yeah, my tech skills perhaps are not the best, but I'm just delighted to have you. I really am very grateful that you're checking out this podcast today. And this episode will give you a little bit more info on said podcast. I'm going to talk firstly a little bit about myself because let's be honest, who doesn't like talking about themselves? <laughs> I'm joking, I'm not I'm not that full of myself. But but it's important that I share that part because it gives you some context to why I'm doing this podcast, why I have created the Strong Men Group. And then I will, as I say, go and chat a bit about the podcast and why I've created it, the mission of the podcast, etc. etc. I would love to hear from you on the reg. Did I just, did I really say that on the reg? Oh dear. Um, I'm too old to be doing that kind of stuff regularly. Can you, yeah, please just contact me because I like hearing from people and it'd be good to get your input a lot of the time. There will actually be a, a segment coming up where your interaction is key to the entire segment. So yeah. Anyway, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can do send me an email at tsm at thewellbeingpt.com. Okay, that wasn't very clear. The email address is TSM Tango Sierra. Right, this is not going well because I can't remember what M is in the, that phonetic alphabet thing. Mike. Mike, that's my name. That's the name of my brother. I should really remember that. Off to a strong start here. TSM Tango Sierra Mike at thewellbeingpt.com. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, let's go. Let's get into it. Just a quick content warning at this point. This conversation does include references to both suicide and self-harm. Many of you may recognize this voice. You might know me personally or perhaps you follow me on social media. For those of you who don't, my name is Chris Stone and I'm a mental health personal trainer. I work both in person and online with clients to help them improve their mental health as well as their physical health. And we do this through engaging with exercise more frequently and also implementing self-help strategies too. Now, I am amazed that I have ended up here 
genuinely. Because if you were to hire a time machine off your local time machine seller and go back to 2016 when I first started as a PT and say to me, Chris, one day you're going to work with people who struggle with their mental health or you're just going to work in that kind of mental health sphere generally, I would have laughed you out the door. Like, no chance. That option wasn't even on the table. No way. And I'll explain exactly why. It'll become clear why when I explain my wee my wee story, I suppose. To help you understand, like I say, how I got here, let's go right back in time to 1993. <sighs> I'm turning 30 this year, I know. Please don't rub that in. It's a tender spot at the moment to recognise that next year life is over. <laughs> yeah, so 1993, I was born in Wick. I mean, just the, the word Wick doesn't sound particularly inviting. And I can confirm it's maybe not the nicest place in Scotland. Um, yeah, yeah. So Wick up in Caithness. Now, Caithness is the most northerly county in the Scottish mainland. And can I just emphasise that it's pronounced Caithness, not Caithness. I know you would say Inverness, but that doesn't apply here. It's Caithness, not Caithness. You're going to offend Caithnesians if you pronounce it that way. Now, a lot of you might not know where that is because it's the arse end of nowhere, basically. Go north, keep going north until you get to the sea and... Yeah, you can't go any further. Then you're basically there. Countryside life. That's that's what it is up there, obviously. There's not really any big towns. Uh, Inverness is the closest big town. or Actually, it's a city now, I suppose. But that's like over two hours away. So it's proper rural life. And I loved it. I really did. And I, re I still do. I love going home and going up north and that sort of stuff. It's it's really nice. If you're not being... I know I'm giving Thursday on like a bad name, but it is very nice up there. Anyway, grew up there my whole life, went to school there, etc. And in school, my biggest passion was sport, like no doubt. I absolutely loved it. PE was my favourite subject of all. And I was doing every sport under the sun. The main one was football, I played a lot of football, but also basketball, I did athletics, I did badminton and squash, I did tennis, you name it, I probably tried it at some point or, you know, did it regularly. So for that reason, it wasn't really a surprise or it's not a surprise I ended up pursuing, I suppose, this industry of health and fitness and exercise because that passion has been apparent since I was young. What is a surprise, as I've mentioned, is that mental health focus because there's no chance I would have predicted this is where I was going to end up. As a, a wee bairn growing up in Caithness, I, like every young boy, pretty much, wanted to be a footballer. But I wasn't good enough, sadly. Fun fact, I suppose, or I don't know if it's really that fun. But anyway, we'll go for it. There is actually a Caithnesian footballer who plays in the SPL, in the Premiership, Gary mackay Stephen. So, yeah, there's one semi-famous shout-out. Um, someone actually made it. But anyway, I didn't. I didn't make it, sadly. And uh, as I went into high school, I, I obviously realized this and uh, decided that instead, okay, <laughs> next best thing, I suppose, almost the same, is to be a PE teacher, you know? So, uh, yeah, I kind of did, like, a young person's sports courses and all that kind of stuff. 
in preparation to go to uni and be a PE teacher. However, as I was nearing the end of school and actually started to help out the PE teachers with their younger classes, I realized I didn't like kids. It's not like I didn't like kids. It's more like I didn't like working with kids. I shouldn't say that. So with that new understanding, I then decided, okay, right, I'm, I, if I'm going to pursue this career still and not wanting to work with kids, the next best thing is to coach adults, to work with adults. So off I went to university, left Caithness, went down to Edinburgh, and I did sport and exercise science at university at Napier. And it was good. The first year I really enjoyed. I learned a lot. There was lots of science, which was right up my street. I really liked that. But as the uni course went on, and this isn't to make myself sound big-headed, although it probably will sound really quite full of myself, it wasn't challenging after the second... As I went into the second and third year, I felt like we were doing the same stuff over and over again. I liked being challenged and I wasn't really getting it. So I got my degree and got out of there, went and did my PT qualification instead, my level two and level three, and got qualified. Hooray! Insert cheering noise here anyway so yeah i got that and started my first ever job at nuffield health which was good to a degree i was working with a team of pts i think there was like 12 or 13 when i first started and we were all at different points in our careers for me obviously just starting off but there were other pts who had been there for a lot longer and what was great about that team was that everyone seemed to have their own speciality. Like for me at that point, I loved sports performance. So I was doing kind of like speed and agility type training. But then we had other guys that were focusing on mobility training. We had an endurance runner. We had an injury prevention coach. We had a power lifter. We had an Olympic lifter. We had all types. So it was such a good environment to be in because I could learn from all of these PTs. And I did. And it was a great place to start. I did, however, then leave Nuffield after a year and a half or just over a year and a half. It's a very interesting story behind that, which I'll save for another day. But yeah, um, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't good, let's say, and on their part rather than on my part. From that point, I was in a bit of a place where I was like, well, okay, what am I going to do here? I actually found myself jobless. So it was either start again from ground zero or begin my own business. I didn't have the slightest clue about starting a business, running your own business, or any of that. I had no idea. But that was the route I decided to take. And I've been self-employed now for four years. And it's been great. I've absolutely loved it. I really have. It's been interesting to just see how the business has developed over the last few years in particular. Now, you might be thinking that, you know, at this point, this all sounds pretty normal so far. Like, there's not really been anything out of the ordinary but that's because the main thing that i have yet to mention up to this point is the fact that i struggled with my mental health from my late teens into my 20s it had such a huge influence on me as a person but also undoubtedly contributed towards me developing my business in this way this is something i've not really talked about much before but I think it is important to to talk about when I was 16, my one of my close friends was killed in a car accident. Now, this was someone who I grew up with. We were in the same class in primary school and obviously into high school as well. We played badminton with them every week and we'd hang out quite a lot as well. So 
as a 16 year old to try and process that was difficult to say the least a 16 year old shouldn't have to deal with all of that but i did i had to and there's no doubt that whole event had a significant impact on my own mental health there were a couple of other events that undoubtedly fed into this as well and by the time i was 18 or 19 i began to realize that something wasn't quite right i didn't know what it was though i just i mean i felt like i was just perpetually sad and i thought you know things will improve in time and also because i am a strong man i'm going to be able to deal with this i will deal with this myself i didn't tell anyone what was going on i never talked about these experiences i just kept my head down and battered on you know i felt like that was what was expected of me and that's what i had i was determined to do i didn't need anyone's help or so i believed anyway i wasn't aware of what was going on my behavior changed quite substantially. I found it really difficult to get up in the morning. Energy was a problem. I would make excuses for canceling on people. I started struggling with self-harm as well. And I just, I, I was really confused. I just didn't understand what was happening and why. At this stage as well, I didn't believe in mental health. I thought mental health was a term used by lazy people, an excuse used by lazy people who didn't want to work or, you know, just I don't, wanted to ha have an excuse for being a sad individual or something like that. Ridiculous now that I look back on it, but that was my frame of mind when I was a late teen anyway. This spanned university and also the first few years of my work as a PT. So all through uni, I really struggled. I was functional though, evidently, because I was I was able to get through my degree and also work at Nuffield as well. And this is one of the really dangerous things about mental health issues is that they're invisible. They're so easily hidden. I could just put on a smile. I could be pleasant to people and nobody would be any the wiser. Nobody had a clue. And it actually, it took me to tell someone before people began to put the pieces together to realize, oh yeah, that's why he's behaving a bit odd or, you know, he's being a bit off or what have you. I, I hid it. I hid it really well as well. But it did get to a point where the symptoms got so bad that I felt like I had to go and get help. So I spoke to someone. They told me to go and visit the GP, which I did. And I started getting support. I was referred on to mental health support teams and was given antidepressants to try and help me with my symptoms and this I was given this support over well I say I was given this support I was put on a list for CBT and mental health support for two years I didn't need that support in two years down the line I needed it there and then anyway that's a whole different kettle of fish so yeah I was I was getting this support I was getting checked up on by the GP fairly regularly and things only got worse. They only got worse and worse and worse and worse. I became more insular, more isolated. I was still working at this stage, but my whole day would just be get up, go to work, spend 10 to 12 hours at work, come home, go to my room, go to sleep, rinse and repeat. Life was just shite, for the lack of a better word. I really hated life and I was 
very suicidal as well. I've got no problems talking about suicide because I think it's incredibly important that we do when we consider that suicide is the biggest killer of men under the age of 45. That is horrific. Like, absolutely horrific when you consider it's an entirely preventable death. So yeah, I did struggle with suicidal ideations. I never planned anything out. However, it was always something I wanted to do. I wanted the pain to stop, but I didn't want to go through the process of of dying. It was just a horrible place to be in. It, it was really difficult just to cope generally, especially when you're not talking about it. I, I was so isolated. I felt like I was by myself. Nobody understood me is what I felt. And I was unique. I was just like a freak. Like nobody else thought like this. I would go on social media and see everyone's po happy posts about getting married or getting a new car, new job, you know, whatever. People just posting what they post on social media. And I would see that and be like, well, how come life's great for everyone else except me? You know, what is wrong with me? Come 2018, however, I was able to step away from my job at Nuffield for a period of time. And I actually went abroad. I went to America and Canada. Now, that sounds so cliche. You know, about the, the millennials who go abroad and they find themselves and they come back a new person and all that kind of stuff. Well, that sort of happened to me, I guess. I went to America and uh, Canada to do what they would call soccer camps. We would call football because we're normal people. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I don't mean I don't mean to say normal people. That that sounds really harsh. That that that's not what I meant. I'm just digging a bigger hole here if I try and make things better. So I'll just stop there. But yeah, we we're doing these football camps with the kids and that sort of stuff. It was a great experience. It was obviously I spent a lot of my time traveling from place to place. And at the end of my stint there, I did a motorcycle trip down in the deep south, which was amazing, incredible memories from that trip. But I came back feeling like I was in a different place mentally. And do you know what? I think the main thing was the biggest influence in improving my mental health and how I felt was the fact that with these camps, you were staying with families of kids who were going to your camp. So you would spend weeks at a time staying in these people's homes. There was an expectation there from the parents and from the company we worked for that we would spend time with the family to get to know them and be friendly and, and all that kind of stuff. And at that stage, I was, I didn't want to do that. I really didn't. I was in that place mentally where all I wanted to do was hide away. I wanted to go and hide in my room all the time. So in a way I, I was forced out of the confines of my bedroom I was forced to go and socialize with other people and be around other people, whether that be the coaches or the families themselves. And that honestly had such a positive impact on, on me. It, it kind of started to, to build not only confidence in myself but and confidence in myself when it comes to social situations, but actual enjoyment in life once again. Uh, I think also being in a new environment, you know, America and Canada where where so much was foreign to me, there's so much to explore and learn and, and that sort of stuff. That was also very helpful. But socially, I think breaking that isolation was one of the biggest things. So I came back from America in this different headspace and I started up my self-employed business. And initially, I was kind of the jack of all trades PT. I was doing everything fat loss, still doing that speed and agility type training or strength and conditioning. I was doing muscle gain. I was doing a bit of touching on mental health here and there. 
I was trying to cover all bases and it just wasn't really working. So I took some time to consider, right, Chris, we need to think about where I want this business to go. Who is it I want to serve most? And with the experience I'd had with my own mental health, just understanding how difficult it is for people who are struggling with their mental health to exercise, I concluded that I wanted to help those who are in a similar position to the position I found myself in a few years before. It's just such a needed area, in my opinion. You can find a coach for literally anything. You know, the main ones, the main bases are all covered. Fat loss, muscle gain, strength development. You can get those with kind of your general PTs. And there is no one, there are very few coaches, as you say, who understand what it's like to try and go and exercise in a busy gym when you're struggling with a mental health issue. So you might have a a client who's struggling with depression or anxiety. You pass them over to a PT who doesn't vet them or ask them about their mental health and then tries to put them through like a high intensity workout when they're incredibly anxious and that just worsens their symptoms. As I'm sure you know, exercise is amazing for our mental health. I'm sure I'll cover this in more detail in a, a future episode. But the benefits of exercise on our mental health are amazing and totally underutilized as well. As is demonstrated by my own story with my own mental health, instead of the GP kind of asking me about my lifestyle and trying to see if there's anything we could do lifestyle-wise to alter things to improve my situation, the first protocol was, boom, antidepressants. There you go. That'll sort you out. Side note, they don't. They don't sort you out. (laughs) They might help you cope a little bit, but they don't fix the problem. Absolutely not. I saw this big opportunity, I guess, to help those people and I grabbed it with both hands. Now, as the years have, well, the couple of years have gone, it's been two or three years now since I've I've kind of switched my focus to the mental health stuff. I've kind of niched down even further into men's mental health. And that's because, as I've referred to, suicide is the biggest killer of men under the age of 45, which blows my mind every time I hear that. Just take a second and let that sink in. The biggest killer of men under the age of 45. Horrendous. When I consider that, and when I look at the state of (laughs) men generally, myself included sometimes, I think it's a huge problem. It's a huge issue. When I consider my past experience, what was the main factor that prevented me from reaching out to get help, to get the support I needed to cope, to to survive, and to actually not take that final step towards ending it all. It's that whole mindset, that whole idea that I need to be this strong man. That means repressing my feelings, repressing my emotions, carrying on without anyone, the need for anyone's help. It's that kind of mindset that drives men to suicide. No doubt. No doubt whatsoever. And that's why this podcast is here. The whole mission of this podcast is to redefine what it actually means to be strong. Because doing these things like repressing your emotions and your feelings and carrying on by yourself, pretending that everything's fine when it's not, putting up that facade, like that is not strength in any regard. It's not even close to strength. 
It's absolutely weakness to be fake in that way and pretend that you've got your shit together when you really don't. That's not strength. What is strength is being man enough to actually recognize I have a problem here. Something's not right and I need help. I need someone or I need others around me to support me to get me back to where I need to be. Being vulnerable is not weakness. Showing emotion is not weakness. I think what epitomizes it for me is when I consider some of the clients I work with who have some significant mental health challenges, these people are some of the strongest people I know because they have to battle their own brain every single day. They have to battle those thoughts. They have to somehow try and cope and juggle all of life's responsibilities at the same time. And they're still being positive and trying to take these positive steps to address the problem. They're being vulnerable. They're opening up. They're talking about what's happening in their life. You know, these people are the absolute epitome of strength. Those who hide away, hide their thoughts and feelings and emotions, who run away from vulnerability, and actually those who put people down, who put other men down for opening up and for seeking help, those are the people who are weak. But for whatever reason, in our own minds as men or in society, it's totally flipped the other way around. These weak men are seen as strong and these strong men are seen as weak. It's totally flipped. And that is why I talk about redefining the strong man. That's what this podcast is all about. It's helping us understand what it actually looks like to be a strong man. Each week, we're going to hear from strong men. They're going to tell us a little bit about their own life experiences, their own challenges, and how they've managed to overcome them, or perhaps continue to overcome them on a daily basis. I trust that these conversations are going to be examples to you to really help highlight what strength looks like, what strength and masculinity actually are, and dispel this current idea of strength that so many of us seem to cling on to. So that's a little background on my own journey and also the Strong Men podcast. Now, this podcast is really here as a supplement to the Strong Men group. This is a new men's only group that I've started up in Edinburgh this year. And the goal is to help men build physical and mental strength. And we do that through a variety of different events that are run every month. We have the Strong Men Build, Lounge, Step and Thrive. I'll just very briefly talk about each one. The Build event is a gym-based session where we're focusing on building physical strength and confidence in the gym. Then we have Lounge, which is simply a social event for the guys just to get together, connect and have a bit of fun. Step is going to be a walk and talk event that we run in the summer months because the weather is probably not good enough to run it in the winter months. And then we have Thrive, which is an online-based session. It's a self-development style session where I'm going to get guests to come on and speak to the guys in the group to help them with their mental health and well-being. I just wanted to briefly chat about why I've set this group up. And the main reason is because I know that I would have benefited from a group like this just a few years ago. I really would have benefited from having more social connections and a greater support network. 
I would have really benefited from being able to exercise more frequently and with others. And I really would have benefited from learning how I can better cope with these difficult thoughts and feelings that I was often struggling with. The other reason is that a group like this is just needed because of the stigma that exists around men's mental health. Now, I know that there's a stigma around mental health generally, but this is specifically true when it comes to men. How many times has have you been hanging out with mates and someone brings up something vaguely mental health related or they open up about something that's going on? How often is that conversation shut down or met with absolute silence? I've been in that situation more times than I should have. 75% of men see themselves as strong and masculine, and that's great. I think that's absolutely fine. That is not the problem. The problem lies in our understanding of strength and masculinity. Shutting yourself off, not asking for help, carrying on alone, that is undoubtedly going to lead you down a bad road. But if we feel strong and masculine and understand that strength is actually being vulnerable, being open, and asking for help, then we're on a far better course. And that's what I want for the guys in The Strong Men. I want them to feel physically and mentally strong with a understanding, a correct understanding of what strength is. So that's a brief overview of The Strong Men. I'm delighted to announce that this month we have three events happening. We've got a build, lounge, and a Thrive event. So if you want to know a little bit more about each event or if you're interested in coming along, please send me an email at tsm at thewellbeingpt.com. I'm more than happy to answer any questions you may have about the group. Moving on now to the final segment of the episode and every episode is going to finish with this. It is the Brain Break. We are going to be covering a lot of really heavy subjects and topics throughout this season. And for that reason, I think it is incredibly important that we have a segment that's designed to give your brain a break rather than break your brain. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Don't say it too fast. So this week, I wanted to ask you, the listener, for your thoughts on the most overrated TV show. I've got one. And it is Friends. I just do not understand the hype. I I just don't get it. I remember watching Friends as a, a youngster, young pup, and I didn't find it funny then. I then went to uni and my flatmate was obsessed with Friends. Again, I'd watch it. And do you know when you like do like a, like a expel ear from your nose type laugh? Like it was mildly amusing, but it wasn't enough to, bring a proper laugh like that's what friends does to me it's just like a every so often i'm never like oh this is just hilarious and i want to watch more it's it just doesn't do it for me and then abby my fiance she's also the same loves friends it's her go-to comfort show so she'll stick it on in the background and i would rather stab myself in the eye with a rusty spoon sorry I mean, this is supposed to be 
supposed to be giving your brain a break rather than breaking your brain. That was maybe not the nicest analogy, um, or yeah, whatever. Anyway, that's how much I really do not like Friends. I think it is massively overhyped, overrated, and I could do without it, quite frankly. So yeah, let me know what your thoughts are. Do you disagree? Do you actually think Friends is the best thing since sliced bread? Or are you with me? Get those rusty spoons out and let me know. And let me know what show you cannot stand, you think is massively overrated. You're going against the green, like I am. I know I'm in the minority there, but I'm right. So (laughs) get over it. Thank you so much for joining me for the first ever episode of the Strongmen Podcast. If you've made it this far, you're an absolute hero and I really appreciate you. I've got some awesome guests lined up and I'll be recording these interviews over the coming weeks. I cannot wait to share these conversations and I'm in no doubt they're going to go a really long way. Thank you very much. Take good care of yourself and you'll be hearing from me soon.